0: Vic Diaz. On this episode, we're looking at Joe Marie Avalana's action film Spider from 1988, starring Blake Bonner, Ronald William Lawrence, and Vic Diaz as Bill Akita. I'm Liam O'Donnell, and with me as always is that LA troublemaker, Doug Tilly.
1: How's it going, Doug? It's so good, Liam. I'm so glad that we get to talk about Spider here today, a movie that nobody listening can watch. <laughs> I know.
0: I I it is one of the plagues of this podcast, which felt like such a good idea when when, when I came up with it and pitched it to you. Uh, but it is true. It's a very niche audience that's like, hey, that's a movie I've never heard of. Let's listen to this podcast about it. Yeah. But yeah. hopefully somebody's listening. I That would make me very happy. So Well, yeah. this
1: is a particularly unique situation that we're dealing with sure. on this episode. Because I said nobody can watch Spider, but that's not to say that they can't watch the movie that we're about to talk about. Something that we'll get into more detail when we talk about it proper.
0: Sure, uh, there there are some interesting historical details about this movie, and of course, one Mister Roger Corman. But we'll get there. Uh, before that, you found a video that is, you know, you know. On the, we do a Vic Diaz podcast, y'all, and I'm not trying to be, you know, uh, disrespectful, but Vic Diaz, there's no news. All right, there's no Vic Diaz news. I guess we could keep an eye out for. Blu-ray re-releases of some of his movies. But other than that, there's not gonna be news. But um we try to come up with stuff to talk about here at the beginning. And Doug found this video that is a uh interesting um exploration, I guess, of Vic Diaz's grave, which he actually shares the gravesite with his son. Uh and the the format of the video was both to show the gravesite, but also it's a bit of a walkthrough of The Life and Work of Vic Diaz for people who maybe don't know who he is, who are unfamiliar with his work, and uh, as well as The Life and Times of His Son, which we'll get into in a second here. Uh, I was kind of interested to talk about this with you, Doug, because the person who made this video, they take us on a walk through his career, and the movies they highlight I found really interesting. I wanted to get your feelings on this tour through The Life of Vic Diaz.
1: It, it is, for us in particular, kind of an essential thing to watch because, A, it answers the question of this very podcast, which is whatever happened to Vic Diaz. Well, we have a definitive answer there. Not that we didn't necessarily have one before. As Liam was already mentioning, this is from a YouTube channel called Graveyard Pinoy TV, which is specifically about traveling to the grave sites of... Filipino celebrities. So Vic Diaz, you know, it, it seems natural that eventually they would get to him. And also, as you already mentioned, his son, Teddy Diaz, someone I was not familiar with whatsoever. And the, uh, the this, mov- uh, this uh, video gives a lot of uh, background on his celebrity as a musician, and he had a very tragic ending, too, where he was stabbed to death uh, uh, in the late 80s, I believe. So just going back to what you were asking, it was fascinating simply because As we know, and as we've talked about several times in this episode, a vast majority of Vic Diaz's career has never been translated in subtitle or dubbed form into English. So some of the movies that they were focusing on were his early performances. In fact, one of the things it says, and I don't know if this is necessarily true or not that at least in the Philippines he's best known for his roles in the 50s and also the fact that he was a lawyer before he was an actor which is not something that I was aware of either so so we see some footage of him when he was very young the youngest i've ever seen him perform and you know he 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 isn't speaking english in those roles but it made me it made me get a better appreciation for the breadth of his career mm-hmm. and the fact that we at this point have not really been exposed To So much of it. In fact, it's there's a possibility that we'll never be exposed to it. And it's also it made me a little sad just to think that so much of Filipino cinematic history is locked off for me uh, as someone who doesn't speak the language and there is no ability to have it translated. And we also know that a lot of these films have been lost as well. So it both makes me kind of sad and a little bit excited because I hope that somebody can find these movies and and bring them to an audience that might be able to appreciate them, even if that audience is only the two hosts of a Victy themed podcast.
0: I agree. It was fun seeing the clips of him younger, too. Like, this is some of the youngest yeah. performances we've gotten to see. Um, but I also felt a little sad, uh, not just in the fact that we can't see a lot of these movies, but also in the idea that, like, when we don't know stuff about him, it's not that we did no research. It's that a lot of the information I was able to find was written by Americans who seemed to not care that he was a lawyer before he was in, you know, a uh, uh, White Mama, Black Mama. You know what I mean? Like, it, it kind of made me a little sad that, like, again, I didn't do, like, the deepest research, but the things that I read were so often about his relationship to American film goers to... Exploitation movies that that other parts of his career, let alone his life, were not interesting to the people writing about him, who were often themselves Americans or maybe Australians or whatever. You know, Uh, it made me really uh, thankful to have this piece of really Filipino focused media that was in English, and so I could understand this other perspective about him. I don't know that it's the best edited thing. Like we'll we'll have the link in the show notes and you should check sure. it out. It's not, you know, high entertainment, but I found it really informative and I was glad that we had access to it.
1: Yeah. Also the the idea that the um the kind of burial rites of, of the Philippines is not something I'm very familiar with generally either. And not that this video goes into a lot of detail about it, but you know, you get to see where he is uh, buried and where, you know, they have some pictures of him on the outside of it. And also getting to know a bit more about his son as well. Right, Someone that, who,
0: that was another thing that like, I kind of wish we had already known, not necessarily just about his kind of tragic passing, but more about the fact that he is this, well-known musician was this well-known musician that lots of people knew about and 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 uh, uh, was you know pretty good. I they have video in the they have video footage of him in the in the in the video and it's it's pretty interesting to watch. You know,
1: again, it, he is a specifically a Filipino musician that really, to my knowledge, didn't have any profile outside of that country. But it is something that it was interesting to kind of uh, have have exposed to us.
0: Yeah, and I think just appreciating that. If we're going to dedicate so much time to discussing um, someone's work, I don't think it's a bad thing to know about some of the tragedies in his life, right? Like, it's not a focus of the show, but, you know, I want to know about his history. And this had to be an important thing, not just for him, but probably for the country, right? Like, this guy was pretty famous, Vic Diaz and his son. And so this event must have impacted a lot of people. So, I don't know. I It's... Uh, it was sad to hear, but also I'm glad to know it, and um, and I I kind of wish I had known about it before,
1: you know. Also notable that his son's death happened in 1988, the year that Spider, the movie that we're about to talk about, takes place. And as we know, you know, after in the late 80s, early 90s, his career really kind of slowed down quite a bit, and makes you wonder if maybe there was that was a contributing factor as well.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it was. I mean, grief is not easy, uh, but who knows? It, it's also worth noting that, like, he is getting older. And, and sometimes I forget because I know him from a certain time period that he's not a young man in a lot of the movies I know him from, you know? Yeah, uh, seeing him in some of those earlier 50s movies was a reminder of, oh, right, I am most familiar with him when he is already somewhat advanced in age, you know? So Absolutely anyway so that that was a that was a video we have a link to it in the show notes check it out um it it, it was interesting to me also because whoever was picking these movies had such a different view of how to yeah. walk you through his career Absolutely. not not just the early stuff right even the time periods I'm familiar with the movies they were picking I was like oh that one okay all right sure you know whatever but I appreciate that I thought that was a fun way to see someone else. Uh, uh, highlight something that I've paid attention to. So, anyways, I think it's worth a lot. You mean
1: highlighting too hot to handle? (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, that's about it. The end of that. When we get back, (laughs) we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about 1988's Spider, uh, as well as maybe um, why some of this movie, if you were able to see it, which you're not might feel a little familiar, though I'm betting it still wouldn't be that familiar. Uh, We'll be right back. Spider hugs the limelight again. Even
1: as he faces a synod pro investigating his unorthodox police tactics, the no-holds-barred crime buster has caused a diplomatic stir. This time, crashing a cocktail party.
0: You just caused one goddamn international incident hotshot, and you better have a good excuse. I'm a cop. I bust crooks, and I don't stop to ask for pedigrees. That punk was slime. Listen, Spider, you're a good cop. You're, you're a little, little weird, guy. but you get results, and I like that. But you've got to understand, when you get into this society shit, you've got to
1: change your methods, you know. That's just the way okay, it is. Okay, I'll
0: tell you what I'll do, Chief. Won't you run down there to Fredericks of Hollywood and requisition me a pair of those velvet handcuffs i got? Then I can start making Beverly Hills bust just the way you like
1: them. Now, i goddamn it, Spider. You know the ambassador's residence is out of bounds. You had no damn business being in the place at all. I was chasing a crook. A uh, suspect, Spider. A uh, suspect. A suspect
0: was armed and dangerous. Dokes has got a hole in his leg to prove it. Now, oh, look at that. I'm on your side, you know. You're on my side? Fuck that. You're saying it's cool for these shitheads to run around putting holes in my partner? Get out! A rich businessman hires a team of Vietnam vets to get his son out of Vietnam. But this group of mercenaries don't plan to go to Vietnam. They just want the money. They make a mistake by killing a policeman, Brad Spider's partner, and now he only wants revenge. It's 1988's Spider, uh, directed by... <laughs> I know. I sighed when I actually liked this movie, but that description was tiresome to me. And now maybe <laughs> I don't like this movie anymore. Uh, directed by Jo uh, Marie avalanya Uh this guy, Aval- so I'm saying Avalana, it might be avayana because it's, yeah. it's. I, he's I think Filipino. he's Filipino and, and a lot of Filipino names are Spanish in origin so they have Spanish pronunciation, but sometimes they don't have Spanish pronunciation so it's kind of hard to know. Uh, but he was born in the Philippines in 1941 uh, and he was more of an actor uh, mm-hmm. or people knew him more as an actor. He was in TNT Jackson, Fighting Mad, Cage Fury, and this was actually his first directorial effort. Uh, this was written by a gentleman named Steve Rogers, who was also Not Captain America. No, no. That's important to note, because people are always thinking of, yeah. <laughs> he who was you... thinking of? Uh, the... He also appeared in a ton of Filipino uh, shot action films, like Warriors of the Apocalypse, L.A. Street Fighters, Blood Fist 2, Rage, American Kickboxer 2, Angel Fist, and Live by the
1: Fist. Live by the Fist, covered on this very show. Yep. Uh well you just said the the name. I don't know if you remembered that we covered it. <laughs> no, I thought we had covered Angel Fist too. No. Angel Fist I believe is a remake of the oh, first okay. Blood that's Fist right, movie. That's right. That's right. That's uh, right. Anyway. We'll Did get to we it cover
0: but we and we covered the first Blood Fist but not Blood Fist 2. That's
1: right, which I don't okay. think Vic D.S. is in the second
0: one. Okay, okay. Uh cast <laughs> Uh, Blake Bonner, which I don't know if that's how you say that name, but it's a weird name, uh, as Brad Spider. He's
1: like well, a kickboxing champion.
0: Uh-huh. Ronald William Lawrence as Lee Stokes, uh, Gary Rooney, Roxanne Baird, uh, uh Michael Viastas, Paul Holmes, Henry Strykowski, and of course Vic Diaz. Um, you know, it's it's an action film. It's an action film, uh, weirdly, that's supposed to be set in Hawaii, but is shot. I think almost entirely in the Philippines, right? Even the L.A. parts felt like the Philippines. I think the L.A.
1: stuff is all filmed in the Philippines as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
0: So before we get into some of the shooting details and other things about that, as well as the strange sort of uh, post-shooting history of this movie, let's just start with just a general question. Doug, what did you think of Spider, the
1: sugar trap? (laughs) I kind of loved it. (laughs) (laughs) It's so action packed, and it's only seventy five minutes, which I know that's like uh, damning with faint praise. But it's so compact as a movie that it's hard to ever be bored by it because a the the, the plot is so ridiculous, right? This idea that they're trying to trick this rich businessman into giving them money to get uh, prisoners of war. But they're never planning on ever doing it. And part of the ways that they train, like that they practice going into Vietnam to get these prisoners of the war is by hiring illegal immigrants and making a prison camp and then just fucking killing all of them because they they don't want to do any fake testing. They want to... They just... At the beginning of this movie, you see them attack a prison camp and then it's revealed afterwards that they were just actors that they murdered. (laughs) It's ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, Also, I didn't realize until the end of the first... Fight between Spider and his uh, Irish <laughs> police captain That this movie is a rip-off of Cobra That's why it's called Spider yes. I mean, I know that must seem very obvious to you listeners now Wasn't obvious to me But yeah, so the first, like, 40 minutes of this Is just a straight rip-off of Cobra You got this, you know, cop... His uh, partner gets uh, shot, and, and he's he, he has to go find out what's going on. He's just a cop on the edge. He's someone who can't be controlled by this ridiculous Irish police captain, which maybe I'll get back to a little bit later. But then the rest of the movie is him going to Hawaii and trying to find out who killed his partner, spoiler alert, and it just leads to more and more explosions and more people, like tons of squibs, tons of people being shot, lots of very dangerous-looking stunts. I had a blast with it. This is way better than a lot of the American... Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, the kind of the um, American Philippines set movies of this time period. I got to
0: agree with you, Doug. This movie is uh, entirely entertaining and it's one of my favorite varieties of entertaining, which is a movie that the whole time you're watching it, you're aware that the filmmaking is not of high quality. Like this is a poorly made movie, but it doesn't matter because you're having fun the whole time. Like there's no, I'm never out of it with the movie. I'm involved from beginning to end. What's more You highlighted something which I think is important, which is that this movie starts off as the most blatant Cobra ripoff it could be. However... It soon transitions into something that we're very familiar with uh, as as a genre of filmmaking, which is a white man has found his way to the Philippines and he's out of his element. He's out of his depth. He's in the Philippines and he's totally afraid of everything. And everything is weird and it's run by shady criminal elements and and all these caricatures of the Philippines and of course of that that part of the Pacific in general that are not you know accurate. All the way through, but sort of resonate with people. Only it's set in Hawaii. In Hawaii, apparently, Hawaii is a lawless land run by various criminal elements, and you, you know, you. I, I mean, what's funny is everything about this movie, Doug, w- which was shot entirely in the Philippines and made by a Filipino uh, director, and was written by I don't think a Filipino person, with someone I think right an for- American in Philippines, yeah. certainly, yeah, yeah. Every aspect of this movie would work better in the Philippines, man. Just set it in the Philippines. You know where a lot of uh, Vietnam vets who wanted to disappear ended up? In the fucking Philippines, man. They didn't go to Hawaii. You need a social security card in Hawaii, man. You can't just this, this movie is into absolutely, the background.
1: Absolutely seems to not be aware that Hawaii is part of the United States of America.
0: What? <laughs> it... it <laughs> it literally it literally plays into every stereotype not just of the philippines though a lot of movies like this were were set in the philippines but that whole stereotype of american exploitation movies that are like I don't know, they're in the Pacific, who knows where. It's like the idea, It's it might as well be Madripoor from the X-Men comics, right? It's just an island in the Pacific that, that's lawless and that you know you can't trust anything. Only it's in Hawaii. When when movies go to Hawaii, there should be hula dancing and fancy you know hotels. There is no part of Hawaii that is anything like this at all. It's not just gonna be off-putting to anyone who's been to Hawaii before. It'll be off-putting to anyone who's seen a show set in Hawaii before, who's even heard the name Hawaii. I feel like you'd watch this and go, where the fuck is he supposed to be right now? It's 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 weird for me maybe to be harping on this detail, but I just, the whole time was watching it going, who would believe that this was in Hawaii? Like, I don't understand the audience. It's like, oh yeah, man, Hawaii is tough. It's, it's a rough place out there. It's very. It was a very strange aspect of the film. That being said, oh man, there's a lot of action in this. The action is Maybe not expertly done, but it is fun and often oftentimes... it's horrifically
1: edited. Like the yeah, editing is just yeah. awful, but yeah. it it looks great because of how dangerous it all. Looks. Well, I was
0: about to say it's the sort of balls to the wall dangerous action that certain kinds of movies have, whether they're from. Uh, Asia or Australia it's the sort of movie you make when there's no one around threatening to sue and so you just take chances and like I shouldn't enjoy that because it means that someone's life was a danger
1: but Doug I kind of love it I'm not gonna lie I love hey I always love stuff. it in retrospect you know what right, I mean exactly, exactly. <laughs> you, you shouldn't have done that but since you did it I guess I can enjoy it <laughs> yeah I don't know it, it, it was a ton of fun um
0: there's two themes in this movie. One of which I already sort of beat to death, but I wanted to get your take on. How did you feel about the setting of this movie? Didn't it just feel like a Filipino movie to you, or, or maybe we're just biased after having watched so many Vic Diaz movies?
1: I was surprised at how well the opening segments made it look like the United States of America. That's honest.
0: fair. No, that's actually fair. Yes, they yes,
1: do yes. a pretty good job of of you know following a lot of those um really clichéd elements of action movies in the 80s that, that it didn't it was probably helped by the fact that the version of this movie we were watching was a VHS rip from the yes. 80s yes. and has uh, dutch subtitles on it because this movie spider had never been released in the United States of America though someone right now is probably listening and saying that's weird because it sounds very familiar to me we'll explain that in just a second but it's it 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 did not look Um, Good in the version that we saw And that probably helped our our illusion a little bit But uh, no I would never really Thought of it being Hawaii outside of the idea That he was just running into People speaking who like just spoke English No problem all the time including Like police officers right that's probably The only thing that kind of gave away that hey We don't have the issue of the fish out of Water stuff quite as deeply In terms of him trying to connect with local Law enforcement though I have to say and I know We're not going to talk about Vic Diaz until a little bit later Um I thought that that character was just going to be evil because <laughs> he's such an asshole when he showed up. And he's Vic Diaz. He's always evil.
0: <laughs> I mean, I agree. It's one of his most classic things. And the fact that he turned out to be on the level is like, oh, so you're just bad at your job? I like
1: I like that. You know, we know Vic Diaz has played every Asian nationality that there is. This time he's playing a um, Samoan. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah agreed. That,
0: that was... Yeah, that's what he is. No, I mean it was interesting. I thought that was interesting that that's how they. But again, that that's them. I thought trying to justify the fact that it's Hawaii, right? Is like, oh, it's, it's, he's he's uh, he's Samoan. He's you know the you know and that's familiar, right? Of course, he could have just been Hawaii. <laughs> Hawaii. <right? laughs> oh man. Okay. Okay. Let's let's get to something else that's a theme in this movie that is another important part of what animates the film. I think this is common in a lot of movies but it might not be obvious to some of our younger viewers. Doug, do you think we forget how close the 80s were to Vietnam?
1: I never forget it because so many of the movies of that time period, you know, post-Apocalypse Now, the 80s was just like, it was finally time to talk about Vietnam. And so there were tons and tons of movies. But this movie in particular seems to take influence somewhat visually, even though not in the plot, from... Rambo: First Blood Part Two, right? Sure, so it's yeah. about the idea of going back and get P- getting back POWs. This was obviously something in the mindset of the mid to late eighties. Some something people were talking about, um, and that element of it constantly, and also the fact that there's there were so many movies in the eighties about damaged Vietnam vets, and and late seventies as well, but certainly into the eighties as well, and and the the um, the trauma, the generational trauma that comes from. Uh, From households having to deal with that I think things like combat shock movies like that So yeah and I don't think I never really forgot About it though I never really Because Vietnam the war itself happened before I was born there's always that cutoff Line right it's just like well that just happened a long time Ago but you're right like literally uh, Five years before I was born That war was still going on
0: Yeah I mean I I think I have the opposite reaction of you Because there were so many Vietnam war movies In the 80s I assume the war must have happened a long time ago. Right, right. The idea that, like, here we are, it's 1988, we're making this movie about a Vietnam that who disappeared and then reappeared in Hawaii, of all places, and we're going to go get him. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, but well, what has he been doing for the past? And then I look it up and I go, oh, 15 years, actually. <laughs> no, 88, 13 yeah. 13, yeah, 13 years. Yeah, people disappear, especially at, before the internet, people disappear for a decade and it's not... It's not common, but it's not that rare, especially post a war. And then I think about the stuff that was going on with Vietnam movies earlier in the 80s, even earlier than this, and I think, holy shit, we were making movies about this war real fucking fast. Like, I think sometimes when there's movies now about um – um you know, the war in Iraq or the war in Afghanistan, there's a feeling of like, oh, we're already doing something. And it's like, it's actually been a long time. We were making movies about Vietnam within eight years of the end of the war, right? Uh, Well, it
1: depends on what you, I mean, you talk about something like Death Dream, right? Which is a movie that takes, that while the war was still going on, was being made. But if you think about things like Apocalypse Now, Apocalypse Now was 78, 79, and the war I mean, the war, the fall of Saigon was in 75, but the war itself went on for basically 20 years. So yeah. it's, but the, you know, the, the, the heating up and the draft and stuff in, say, 67, 68, 69, 70. Yeah, it's not that long, right? It's, it's still in a 20 year span for the most
0: part. So I think that the one of the reasons it just seemed interesting to me is that when, because I was thinking of this as like a later 80s movie, the idea of like, oh, this guy is just around. And we're, and the fact that a, a rich, businessmen would be like, you have to go save my son. He's in Vietnam. That that was real, right? And, and, and I, I should be aware of that because I remember all the POW MIA shirts all over America. Like at that time, you would see those patches and those shirts constantly because it was still a live issue for people that they were convinced that they were still thousands of people left in Vietnam that we had just abandoned and that we needed to go get. And I don't know how accurate or not that is. I'm sure it was not entirely untrue, but I doubt it was at the scale that people thought it was. But still, this, this was such a live concern. This movie really sort of brought that forward in a way where I was like, I guess 13 years you could still think your son was alive and you could give someone millions of dollars to go get them. It still pushed my credulity a little bit, but not entirely,
1: you know? I think if someone approached you and said that we had evidence that this person is sure, still yeah. alive, right? Yeah, if you never really gave up hope, I will have to say that the the gentleman who plays the rich businessman with his fake yes. gray hair yeah. is so ridiculous. Over that performance, top. I mean, look, that's the other thing about this movie that I don't think we really... We're, we're talking about the seriousness of the Vietnam War. This movie is ridiculous. It is it's, so silly. No, there's no good performances in the entire None. thing. <laughs> Everyone's bad, and a lot of people are dubbed. All right, but most of the like all the lead characters use their real voice. But then every once in a while, the character will just show up and they'll have this really obvious dubbed voice because that person probably had an accent. Uh, so they're trying to 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 kind of fit it into the plot that they have. It's really bizarre in some ways, but the fact that there's so many kind of rough edges to it, but the the action itself is still so impressive. It just made, it just added to the fun for me.
0: Yeah. I You know, I, speaking of uh, performances that go from bad to worse, uh, we have this main character, Spider, and it's really like we're with this guy for the movie. Like he's who we're invested in. I, I will say his partner, though, does show a lot of chutzpah, taking out most of the gang with just a <laughs> revolver, and then getting shot literally 20 times and not quite dying until the very, you know what I mean? Like he lasts pretty long. But still, Spider is our focus here. Is Spider-Doug a real bad mother or kind of a jerk? Like, I, I, I'm a little torn
1: on on this character. I'm not torn. <laughs> yeah? He's an asshole or you love him? <laughs> well, I mean, he's a cop, so I mean, I'm, oh, I'm predisposed I, I mean, to not the, enjoy I him. I mean, within the context of the movie. Even in the context of the movie, he just likes to point his gun in people's faces right? just way too easily. He He's not just like a cop on the edge. The, he... There's a part in this movie where he's like frustrated and he runs into these gang members that are trying to steal the car and he just beats the living shit out of him. And it is definitely suggested that it was just him getting his frustrations out on these yeah. people. <laughs> That's it's- not what a cop is supposed to do. I get it that if you're ripping off Cobra, you know, Cobra's not
0: exactly a sympathetic character, depending on how your biases fall. Right. But there's something like fun in the sheer insanity of the character Cobra. Like, I still have fun with that movie, even though I hate cops. And I think Cobra's a monster. There's just something about his vibe. There's just nothing charming about Spider, right? Like, he's just a jerk-off. It's not that I don't want him to kill these mercenaries. They seem like bad people. But I don't know how he functions as a hero, even for the most cynical Reagan voter viewer of this movie.
1: Even for an action movie from the mid to late '80s, this has so little character development. We get to right, see yes. one scene of him visiting his partner after he gets shot in the leg, him like you know interacting with people on a, an, a on like a human basis. Even the love interest later on, they get no connection scenes or anything like that. That is all you know about him is that he's a cop on the edge, and that is all you, is ever revealed. So you, there's, it's not even like Cobra sitting at home chopping up a pizza with a pair of scissors. You know, just little weirdness about him. You get nothing here. He's just the cliched, you know, right wing crazy, a uh, fascist cop, and he that that's the sole reason that we should like him.
0: I mean, it helps that most of the people. Unlike some of the other movies we've seen set in the Philippines, most of the people he's taken out are also white guys. That's helpful, as opposed to him (laughs) killing thousands of nameless Filipino extras. It's kind of nice that there's more uh, uh, white dudes with mullets. I like how the two plot
1: pieces Are completely for him disconnected. He's only there to check out what happened with his partner and to kind of clear his name. He has no interest in the idea that this guy is being conned into, you know, supporting these gun runners or whatever. He he just happened to fall into that and decided to clean it up afterwards. But like it's it's and the fact that he kind of I guess falls for the daughter of the guy who's funding all this. But it's like the plot is so ridiculous and the idea that these two disparate elements have to somehow come together. And at the end, he's just. He just like killed dozens of people, and he's just covered in mud and blood. It's just yeah. like, all right, like he's, was that legal? By the way, Did he's you just done
0: no police work? No,
1: which, not what... which I guess is what makes him similar to
0: Cobra, right? Like <laughs> Cobra, Cobra literally reads computer prints out and sh- shoots people. Like that, that's yeah. the extent of his police work. Uh, okay, we've hinted at it a few times, so I want to transition to this question of, for, and I want to I want to be clear. Not a lot of our audience, but there might be a couple people in our audience who are like, parts of this movie, like if I were to say uh, there's a part where the, our effeminate uh, weirdo dad guy drives a helicopter into a building, I don't know, maybe that that might be familiar to some people, right? Maybe um, the name
1: Brad Spider rings a bell of some kind.
0: Yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> uh, why would that be familiar to people?
1: Done. So here's the thing. For anyone who did not live through the 80s or even into the mid-90s. It, every movie got released on VHS. Didn't matter how shitty it was. The video stores were filled with action movies of this quality and significantly lower. So it didn't make any sense that Spider, this movie, which even though it's rough and the editing is bad and things like that, it had enough action. There's no reason that you should not be able to find this on your VHS shelf in the U.S. and Canada. The reason that you never did was that Roger Corman, uh, I think through Concord, uh, bought the rights to this movie and they released it themselves in a re edited form, which is why if you go to Black Belt 2, the sequel, to, this has no connection with the first Black Belt, which I've, I think I've seen, but I haven't, not for a very long time. But that's just something Roger Corman liked to do. Black Belt 2, 1989, the plot summary Brad Spider flies to Hawaii to uncover a web of bribery, betrayal, and lies. When Spider finds his partner dead, a cat and mouse game between killer and cop begins. Uh, the Black Belt 2 is listed as having the director of this, Joe Marie Avellana, uh, as well as Kevin Tent Kevin Tent is a very famous editor He, uh, he is the editor for um, most of Alexander Payne's films a Very Still a very well-regarded uh, uh, editor And that's what he was brought in to do, is to re-edit this footage into something a little bit longer, not much. That movie still only runs about 80 minutes. Uh, I watched about half of Black Belt 2. Um, it uses almost all the footage from Spider, but it does. It adds a voiceover at the beginning. It adds another action scene at the very beginning, which I don't know if that's taken from a different movie to kind of of, of uh, meld things together. But once you get past like the first 20 minutes, it is just Spider, almost all the footage, uh, including every action scene that we see in it. Put together. So if you've seen Black Belt 2, you've probably seen Spider. The problem, Liam, is that I didn't realize and discover that this Black Belt 2 slash Spider situation existed until I was already finished watching Spider. Someone told me on Twitter, you know, they use all that footage for Black Belt 2. All the pieces fell into place. And I'm like, of course that's what happened. Of course that's the reason that this never got released. But of course, also, the versions of Black Belt 2 out there are. You know, good-looking prints, so we could have watched a much better-looking version of the movie and one that people could actually get and see, but instead we watched a version that nobody can see because we had to watch like a junky VHS bootleg of it.
0: Here's the thing, Doug. I'm a spider truther, so I'm going to say <laughs> I'm glad we watched Spider and not Black Belt 2 and whatever other, you know, lies that the mass media is trying to shove down our throats with that one, you know? Spiders where the real action is.
1: I don't know how many films are in the Black Belt series. Uh, It's not to be confused with Blood Fist, which is something I've already done several times. Another series that has like, I think it has like seven or eight entries. But uh, yeah, so you can still find Black Belt 2 out there, I'm sure, on on low-budget compilations and whatnot. Hey, oddly enough, And maybe you're not going to find this uh, very interesting, Liam, but if you go to the Spider IMDb profile, which is what I'm at right this very second, it has a rating on IMDb of 7.2 stars. Pretty high rating. Black Belt 2 has a rating of 3.3 stars. (laughs) People don't like Black Belt 2. They fucking love Spider. And you know why? Because it's Spider.
0: Well, and so that's how I wanted to end this before we get into talking about Vic Diaz here. On a lot of levels... Spider is a ridiculous kind of bad movie, but you reported having a lot of fun watching it. I sure. can say I had a lot of fun watching it. Why are, Why is this so much fun, Doug? What is it about this kind of movie that resonates with both of us and I suspect a number of our listeners?
1: There's an element of it that's serious you know just like the subject matter is it there's a, there's an air of seriousness about it because of the vietnam aspect of it and just the idea like a movie like cobra even where it's you know pe- there are people who believe crime is out of control in big cities there's that we need to have a tougher police force we know all the horrible people even in 2022 have have all these beliefs still just the idea that someone could watch this and nod along and be like, yes, this is the approach that we need. We need someone willing to just leave his cop job and go to Hawaii to find out what happened to his partner and then blow up half the fucking the uh, half the fucking area that he's in just trying to find out something and I'm not even sure that he ever does clear his fucking partner's name that seems to be forgotten by the end I always think about the fact that his partner's wife is a character in this movie and that he never talks to her after he goes to Hawaii to give her a little bit of a report about the fact that his uh that her husband's brother was alive and it's just there's so much ridiculousness in it that you can't you can't take it seriously thankfully um in a way that even there are some kind of right-wing tinged action movies from America in the 1980s, which I, I just find really distasteful because of the, the kind of political aspects of it. But something like this, it's impossible to kind of get into the politics of it because it's so ridiculous. It kind of feels like the people making it don't care, so why should I care about it either? And I know that I've already mentioned it, but the fact that it's only 75 minutes long is like chef's kiss, right? I mean, it's, it is it is the key to making this work. It is a lean movie. No need to give give Spider... no No need to give uh what's his name a uh, uh, blake boehner or blake uh blake bonner no need to give blake bonner any more acting than he needs to do yeah. just let him kick people and shoot people and that's all he's got to do and that's great right it's not even like having to watch don the dragon wilson try to emote or something like that D- no fish out of water stuff don't let him go wander around the, the streets of hawaii <laughs> and try to figure stuff out he has to interact with a cop that he gets blown up yeah, yeah. <laughs> But that's it. It's just like everything just leads to the next action scene and that's all I want. And and the fact that the action is diverse as well. It's just like different there's there's, you know, there's helicopter explosions and there's uh Vietnam style bases being uh, stormed. It just it's just a lot of fun because it's just uh it's just like a greatest hits of action sequences.
0: Yeah. I got to agree with everything you said, Doug. I think especially the film seems aware of what it's good at and what it's bad at. You know, it knows full well, okay, we can blow some stuff up. We got some guys to jump out of stuff and get shot. Uh, let's cut down on the on the talking, though. We don't need a lot of talking. And I appreciate that, you know. I'm not saying it's a movie that will revolutionize the way anyone sees cinema, but it's a lot of fun. I had fun with it, and so I'm glad we watched it. I got to come back to the, the question, though, here, which is, we watch this movie because Vic Diaz is in it and his yeah. role is not a large role, but it is nope. a role. I wanted to ask you one, what you thought of his performance, and two, was he dubbed by someone else or was that yeah. him doing the I,
1: voice? It's, I think he was definitely dubbed in this yeah. movie, yeah, yeah, that's what uh, I which thought. is which is kind of strange because we certainly know from films of this era that his English is very good, uh, and you know, it. it the way that he plays different nationalities the fact that he has a a little bit of an accent i don't think would have been bothersome at all but the the sound in this movie is kind of strange anyway there's there's lots of sequences specifically action sequences where people are just like walking around there's no music there's no footsteps it's just explosions and gunfire again and again so i mean the the you can tell there was probably a lot of technical limitations in how they made this but yeah he's definitely dubbed in it and he does have a very small role he basically is the maybe capped police captain in Hawaii and he's very skeptical about Brad spider and him getting involved and then later he shows up and decides he's gonna help Brad spider and then he gets killed and that's it that's his whole role in this <laughs> he's good I mean he does this role in his sleep I mean this isn't yeah isn't something the fact that he's dubbed takes away from it quite a bit yeah. I think in terms of of any kind of performance he's able to give but it I think that there is an audience who would be watching something like this something like this and would be like hey it's Vic Diaz all right, that's enough. <laughs> that's all we need of him, I guess.
0: I mean, his role is really just to look angry, yeah. and he's very good at looking angry. So to that extent, it's it's successful. Uh, I do think you hit on a central thing that we didn't say, but it's worth noting. The film seems a little unaware that Hawaii is not only multiple islands, but also has a lot of cities in it. So he could be the police captain in any number of major cities and they don't Hawaii doesn't share just like one police guy but the movie seems unaware of that a little bit so that's a little there's no con. It, he's not in I, Honolulu or Oahu or you know any specific why place. is his character Samoan? why didn't they just make him Filipino <laughs> I don't Whole, oh, why isn't this movie set in the Philippines? <laughs> anyway, uh, all that being said, yeah, I agree. It's it's not the most outstanding performance, but he's solid. Uh, but he is dubbed, so that's a little bit of a bummer. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think I would recommend this movie, but I didn't hate it. Uh, and and if uh, it doesn't really matter because you can't find a copy of it, so who gives a fuck?
1: To the kind um, of people that we talk to, yeah, web, yeah, web, yeah, yeah. They, I think they would enjoy it. I think I agree. It's, it's not like us. Oh my god! It's this hidden action gem of the nineteen eighties. No, but it is one of those movies that you sometimes find. Uh, usually starring Chris Mitchum, where it's just like, oh, there's a lot of action in it. It it just trades in all of these kind of action movie cliches of that time period. If you're into those kind of '80s action movies, I think you could have fun with this.
0: So, what are we going to do on the next episode of this very podcast, Doug?
1: Next episode of uh, whatever happened to Vic Diaz, we're going to be watching an actual movie. <laughs> kind of rare uh directed by Sidney j fury um the we're gonna be watching 1978's the boys in company c which i believe is the movie that brought arlie ermy to uh to fame initial fame before full metal jacket several years later uh this is actually another vietnam war movie uh it it has a recognizable cast uh but it certainly at the time it was a very well-known movie high production values want to see what Vic Diaz does, I don't know how big his part is, and it could be a blink and you miss him, but I just want to see him in a movie with, yeah. you know, a slightly higher production value.
0: I agree. I'm excited to cover it, and hopefully all of you will join us back here for that experience, and and at least we're covering a movie that you can actually probably watch somewhere, Yeah. Uh, and it, and it won't look like it was dubbed 20 times across 20 VHS tapes. <laughs> Uh, Doug, if people are interested in more episodes of this show or other uh, shows uh, related to Cinema Board or our network, Cinepunks, where can they find that?
1: Best place to start is over at cinepunks.com. You can always find the latest episodes of Cinema Board right there. If you want to check out the entire archive of Whatever Happened to Vic Diaz, that's available over at cinemasmorgasbord.com, as well as an archive of all of our uh, podcasts, including ones devoted to Paul Bartel, Alejandro Jodorowsky, Dick Miller, uh, so much more, uh, including Eric Roberts is the fucking man, all over at cinemasmorgsport.com or on Twitter at cinemasmorg. That's S-M-O-R-G. You can also follow Liam on Twitter at Liam Rules, R-U-L-Z. And I'm on there as well at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y.
0: Thanks a lot, Doug, and thank you for listening. Hey, uh, tell a friend if you enjoy the show. Go ahead and uh, rate uh, and review us on various Podcatchers, wherever it is you're listening to this probably has a way for you to let people know what you think of the show or you know maybe just tell your friends in person or share it on social media whatever you want to do uh but regardless we hope you'll join us back here next time as we discuss another vic diaz classic have a great night good night